Welcome, everybody, to the Next Wall Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm joined by Brian Giberman. I'm joined by Kyle Maggio. And everything is fine and everything is normal, right, guys? De- definitely. Definitely a very normal... Uh, I mean, it really is kind of a normal entering free agency phase for the Knicks, isn't it? I you know it's i mean nothing has changed we you know we're still a part of the blue wire podcast network you can still go subscribe to us on itunes and on youtube and uh or itunes instead but apple podcasts and uh you know you can still go to the nextwall.com and check out all of our great content there and you know follow us all on twitter uh, you know i'm still at corbo anthony you know brian is still at brian giberman and kyle is still at kyle maggio but uh, other than that, I would say that we are we're all doing great. Everything is normal, and the plan is still stands just exactly as as we left it last week. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we picked a good day to record, man. Um, we had a, a number of things happen over the last what forty eight hours here, forty eight to seventy two hours. But especially the last like, I mean, today was a big day, so. Uh, just off the top of my head, we had the, the Anthony Davis trade rumors that started off a little more hopeful and then dove in a different direction. Then we had, uh, Steve Kerr saying that there was no update on Kevin Durant. Uh, He was going to get a second opinion. And then within 30 minutes, Kevin Durant posted on Instagram saying, (laughs) saying that he had successful, uh, Achilles surgery, which, you know, he's gone. So... A very eventful day. Uh, Kyrie signed with Rock Nation, which uh, some Knicks fans. With him officially, I, I just saw yeah. that he was working at that. No, no, he's with. He's going to be with Rock Nation now. So, oh, wow, look at that. so I think the three of us would speculate that oh, that means something for the Nets. And then I had our angry Knicks followers from the TKW account yell at me that it means nothing because why would Kyrie be so obvious? as to sign with rock nation right before free agency. That's it's, it's too closely connected. So um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I am. I, for one, as I'm sure you guys are tired of this speculation and uh, July 1st, June 30th, rather when the rumors are going to start, like things are going to start happening this year. Uh, Cannot come soon enough. Uh, I don't know how we got to this point in one piece, but I'm, I'm ready for this to be over once and for all so we can actually talk about what's happening versus speculation. I just, you know, I, it's, it's all so interesting how it all just kind of came to like, it came to a screeching halt. I feel like, like maybe not even a screeching halt. I don't know. I feel like I I was watching the, I was watching game five. I saw the Durant injury happen. And my initial thought is, you know, obviously that had that sucks for Durant and, you know, my my mind was more on the Warriors and the Raptors than it was on on for the Knicks, and it's just like it took a little while for it to really seep in that you know maybe it was a disbelief like nah nah he just strained it he just you know strained it or he just strained it a little bit more you know whatever, uh, and then you know I just saw that Instagram post today I just saw the uh you know Kevin Durant's update and it just all kind of became real in a way it just all became like fuck. At least, like, we know for a fact, we know for a definite fact that what we thought was going to happen next season isn't happening next season. And whether they still go out and sign Kevin Durant and whether that's still to that exact same contract that we thought he was going to get, like, this just changed the, just changes the entire way next season's going to go. It changes the course of things for sure. It makes it... Um, it makes the whole concept of who you now put around Kevin Durant, if he is still a given to come to New York, like it, it, there's just so many things now to consider between, 
I mean, really, you got to make the consideration between now and, and, you know, Thursday the 20th to really you have to really know what you're doing by that point, because otherwise everything's up in the air. All right. So first. Max contract fully guaranteed for Kevin Durant. Everyone would still do it. I would still do it. Uh, So I would still do it. I understand why. And I think you guys might disagree. I, I at least understand why some people wouldn't want to now. Like I, it, it, it's fair. It's fair. I'm still torn about it. Like I, I still have, I have reservations that weren't there previously. It, now, like that's that's fair to say at the very least. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like I have reservations, but with this caliber of player, I think you do it and figure out the rest later. Still, I think you just let him take his sweet time. I think uh, his game is predicated on being very tall and shooting very well. So I think he's going to be right. fine when he returns. Right. But, um, and that's, you know, that's honestly something I felt about KP also for what it's worth. I thought he's a jump shooter who's seven, three, like that, that's his game. I thought he was going to come back fine too. So that my sentiments remain the same for that, you know, type of player. But um, I get why folks are, because it's not the Amari thing at all, and Amari was never the caliber of player that Durant like is. So it, it is a very different thing. But I understand why people wouldn't want to throw money, max money, fully guaranteed at a guy who's 31, who's going to be 35 by the end of the contract, and at age 31 just got you know surgery to repair a ruptured Achilles. I, I understand it. I think I would still sign him because I think he's still going to be very, 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 very good anyway when he comes back. But I understand it. It's how com- long? It's completely reasonable to take a pass on him at this point. Like if that's your thought process, I, I'm not going to argue against you. I'm going to say, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. That makes sense. But there's risk reward in any way they decide to take this summer, and I'll take my risk, even though it just became a hell of a lot more risky than it was just a couple days ago and whatever happens happens and i accept i accept that this could go very 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 badly and i'm fine with that because the reward on the other end is worth it to me how long do you guys think that this timetable is actually going to take like do we do we have an i i feel like achilles kind of varies sometimes like we've heard some guys get back from this like you know, eight, eight months, some guys take a little bit longer to, you know, a year or even plus, like, uh, who do we have to really compare him to is, is, I guess, Rudy Gay might be the best example, even though they don't really have a similar body, like, I, 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 I don't know how, I don't know if we can really answer that, you know, but I, to me, I would still just put it at 12 months, because even if, even if it was sooner, right, like, even if it was, the, the eight or nine months that Rudy Gay came back in, you know, I think DeMarcus Cousins came back in, in 12 months, you know, even if it was the, the nine month range. So that means he's coming back basically as playoffs are about to happen. He's coming back in mid March to April. If the, if the Knicks even feel the playoff roster without Kevin Durant being there, which I don't know that if we believe all the, the heavy nets, uh, Kyrie stuff and Anthony Davis kind of going in a different direction now. Like, I, I don't know that these kids are going to be good enough year two, even with RJ, as much as I like him to be anywhere near a playoff team without Kevin Durant. So I, I think at that point, even if it is nine months, my point is, I think you just give him the rest of the season off. You just sign him to a fully guaranteed deal. Uh, there's zero incentive to bring him back in, in March or April, unless you do like the whole, Oh, he, he thinks he's ready. Let's get him 10 to 15 minutes a game. Just really, really light stuff. But like, there's no, to me, there's kind of no point. So I just, I, I think either way you give him the year off, you know, that means a year from now, the season's just going to be wrapping up. That means he's going to be fully ready to go come August, September when, when workouts, you know, really start to pick up with the teammates and, the, the training camp's about to get started and he starts to report back. I think either way, if you're signing him now, 
you're punting that first year of his contract and you got to be okay with that, that he's not going to play at all and that he's just going to be fully, fully ready to go, you know, come start of uh, the 2020, 2021 season. I just fucking hate playing this game, man. Like we just did the same thing this entire season. Well, up until February, like up until February was literally us. I mean, other, you know, there was still the problems of cap space before that. And there were still other players that were being developed at the time. But man, we just like spent the whole season in large part playing out the, we're going to wait for this injury and then everything's going to be great from there. And it's just like, I know that when you have Kevin Durant on your team and he's waiting to come back from from an Achilles injury like this, and you still have the room to go out and either trade for a sign, another star. And, you know, in the scenario that we talked about, you know, leading up to this, or could be even the trade for, you know, a star plus Anthony Davis in a trade, but it's, you know, it's, it's just waiting. I, I just don't like playing the waiting game anymore. You know, it just feels like we've been waiting for a long time and it doesn't feel like we, deserve anything yet necessarily we finished 17 you know in 65 this season but i still just man i want a little payoff here so i you can sign kd and then still try and be better like basically what i would want to do is i would try and turn into last year's nets where i would use that i would sign kd and then i would try and find some players who are on bad contracts that are maybe like one year that end after this upcoming season and try and get like a couple second round picks. You make your team a little bit better. So you're not as horrible as you were. And the young kids can be put into better context than they were the year before. And you can be reasonably decent. And then you have the cap space plus more assets to, for trades and you have Kevin Durant in pocket going into the next offseason. Like an example, like Marvin Williams just opted into his contract, $15 million. He has one year left on it. They have to pay Kemba. They have no cap. I don't think they have a lot of cap space or much flexibility. You call the Hornets and be like, yo, we'll take Marvin Williams from you for two second round picks. Maybe you get lucky and you can get more. I doubt the Hornets would trade their first round pick considering they're, how middle-ish they are. And then you have the stretch four, who's a good player now. He's not going to impact your cap for after this season. The Suns, Tyler Johnson, $15 million, a combo guard that can play point guard and shooting guard. If they want to open up some cap space, which they it sounds like they want to do, you take on that contract for a couple second-round picks or a, late, a future first-round pick protected. And then those are two competent NBA basketball rotation players that you can slide into your top nine. And that wouldn't kill you in the future. And so those are just two names that come to the top of my head in that situation that you might be able to get for some draft stock and keep your cap space open while putting a better product on the court the following season. Because I don't, with KD, I don't think you want to have the kids out there winning 17 games again. You, I think you want to show some improvement and up towards something. No, I agree. And I think that's, a really smart way to go about it. Um, you know, Perry's already been pretty good about getting more assets back. So I, I think that that is a, a pretty realistic route. I am. And I'm not trying to like be a downer, but I am kind of hesitant to talk about Durant. Like it's a formality that he's coming, you know, like I don't, I don't want to sit here and pretend like it's, it's still a lock. I think he probably leaves golden state at this point, but I don't want to sit here and pretend like, it's it's a slam dunk that he's coming here and we have to start planning around him either. Like you guys just know how I've been with that. And so, I mean, we'll see, but if we do end up getting him, um, I, I agree that that would be the smart way to go about it. You make the most out of a, you know, a shitty waiting gear and um, not for nothing, but you know, it, I, I think that's actually kind of a good thing for, the player that I think RJ Barrett is because they're going to take him. I don't think that there's any two ways about it at this point. Uh, he had his workout, everything from the way he was talking about. It seems like it, uh, Alonzo Trier basically, you know, is posting him on his Instagram story that they're, you know, they're in the building together and it, it just seems like that's a, as done a deal as, as, as it gets. So I think letting RJ kind of run out there and be the lead guard and, 
bucket getter and he's actually a good facilitator. Him and Mitch can probably work really well together too. I think that's probably fine. And then you just try to get them, like you said, like if you can pick up a Marvin Williams or some, you know, just another big contract, a big body that can come in and, and play a lot of minutes and be okay. Then I think, yeah, maybe they're not a playoff team, but they're not going to win 17 games again. You know, a lot of these guys are going to be second year players. You know, Dotson can play. Trier can play. Mitch is very good. You know, so you're basically just hoping that Knox is any kind of better this next season. RJ is who, you know, the player that I believe he is. And yeah, maybe you have like a fun younger team. I don't know that they're going to be like this year's Nets, for example, but, you know, high 20 wins, low 30s would be a, a fun surprise. So um, that even still might be too much, but, you know, just not 17. So it would be the smart way to go about it. And then you still maintain that cap flexibility. You have a bunch of assets if you need to do a trade. It, it would be the the way to go. And if they do sign a Durant and they don't end up doing the Anthony Davis trade, which it appears that they won't be, um, I I think that's the way you got to go with it instead of just signing a, a Tobias Harris or somebody just because you have the money to do so this year. Just a purely hypothetical question, but is... R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, and let's say whoever pans out most from, you know, let, let's just say is Mitchell Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and Kevin Knox in three years. Is that is that with, you know, whoever you can fill out with the rest of that cast space, whoever you can acquire to fill out the bigger roles of that space? Is that a playoff team in three years? Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I... I... Mitch, what Mitch is going to do to, for this defense is basically you're going to be able, it's going to be in the top half of the league. So if you can just build a average-ish offense, you're going to be able to get to the playoffs. And I feel good. I, I really, I don't know why, but I feel good about Knox. I think he's going to take a step forward this year. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star or anything like that, but he, I, I see him kind of you're going to see you saw a little bit of what he could do this year. I think this yeah. next this next season you're going to kind of see the out really start to see the outlines of what he could become and we to an extent we're a little bit more down on Knox than we necessarily need to be. If you read the stuff that like even Calipari said before the draft he was like it's going to take time and it's gonna, you're going to need patience. But six years from now, it could really pay off. So I, it, we're, I would trade like, him. It's like the, I would comfort. trade him to in the right situation. It's not like I'm hugging him yeah. and like, no, no, he can't go anywhere. But I do think at times we're a little hesitant with we're not he- hesitant. Not the right word. But the negativity can get a little over, not not over the top, it's not the right, but we trend a little bit more negative when it's a little bit more in the middle. See, I I don't know. So I I agree with you mostly. Like, I think my my thoughts on RJ are well known. Um, I think we all agree on what Mitch is. He's just very, very, very good and and will continue to be good. Um, So I think just those two alone are probably enough if you fill out the rest of the roster based on, what we've seen for Mitch and what I think RJ is Knox. I just disagree a little bit with that point about the being overly negative. Like he was horrific this year. However, that doesn't mean I'm down on him moving forward. As you know, like my big thing is he's got pretty nice form on his jump shot and he takes all the right shots. He's taking wide open threes and a lot of them, or he's basically getting the ball in a dribble handoff going downhill and trying to get to the rim. And he's got a very big and long body, and that's what you would want. You want him basically going for layups and get drawing contact or converting or shooting wide-open threes because he has the form and projects to be a good shooter at some point. The issue is he was historically bad this year because shots were not falling. He didn't shoot threes all that poorly, but again, as a whole, he just wasn't efficient, and he didn't contribute elsewhere. So I don't... I don't think that he's going to be a bad player. I think like that's that's the trendy NBA Twitter thing. Whereas you look at his efficiency, he didn't contribute defensively in any capacity, and he was woefully inconsistent on the boards. 
And you look at those things and, you know, as we do every time a player underwhelms in his first season, we go, okay, that's it. He sucks forever. But my thing is like, yeah, oh, he was horrible last season. But, you know, it, it, it's not from, I guess, like a game plan issue. Like, to me, they did what they needed to do with him correctly. Like, he was taking the correct shots. Like, that's what you would want him to do. Like, next year, I would hope to see him do almost the same things offensively. I had almost no issues with how they used him off on offense this year. I thought that was, like, for all the shit we gave Fizdale, I thought that was one thing he did well, was what he did with Knox. You know, Knox just didn't convert. So I think next year, like, he might do the exact same thing, like, fill the exact same role, and, like, shots are just going to fall, and it's going to make a world of a difference. So I, I think the way people talk about him, like, the way I do, as of today, from what we've seen, he was horrific last year. But... I think that there's, like you said, there's reason to be confident moving forward simply because he's he's doing all the right things that you'd want for the player that he projects to be. So I, I don't know how good he's going to be, but I feel pretty confident saying he's going to be like at least solid. He's going to be a good player, I think. So here here's my question. Is, is it smarter for the Knicks to cash in some of these chips now, the the third pick, Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., Frank. I'm not including that Dotson and Mitch, I'm not including in this because I think they're pretty much to a certain extent they're known commodities. But with those other ones, and even the the Dallas picks, whether it be Anthony Davis, who it sounds like they might not have enough to get, or another player. Would it be better to make a trade now, or would you do you think it would be more beneficial to their value and even maybe they're just better than we think they are? And that could play out if they went young next year. I, that that's the decision we're looking at that Scott Perry and Steve Mills have to make. So I don't know who else would be available for those guys. Like let's say you exclude Mitch, but I don't know who'd be available that. You know, aside from Anthony Davis, that I think would be worth it. Like, I think Bradley Beal is, but it depends. Like, I feel kind of shitty giving up R.J. Barrett, Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., and then I don't think that they're just going to want the Mavs picks. You know, like, they're probably going to want a Mavs pick and then, like, an actual Knicks pick. Like, I think people kind of overvalue those Mavs picks. Like, they're going to be late, mid to late firsts almost as a guarantee. So I think it's kind of silly to like, think that everybody's going to go nuts for these maps picks. Like even if you package hold them on, together, hold, like hold, to- on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What it, it, I, I'd say, yes, the most likely, I think if everything works out perfectly for the maps, those are picks could be in the high twenties because of KP and Luca, but KP, there's also no guarantee KP's healthy. So there is a little bit more downside on them than I think just the mid lottery. Yeah, uh, sure, but then at the same time, Dallas is a threat because they have cap space now to sign somebody this summer. I know they're hot for Kemba. So, I mean, they could actually get somebody this summer too, and that furthers kind of my point here. So I I think you got to move the Dallas picks as quickly as possible, but I just don't know that they're – my point is I just don't think they're as valuable as Knicks fans make them because in almost any trade, they're like, oh, yeah, and you give away the Mavs picks. Like, like guys, like these aren't like top ten projected picks. And I think only one, I think one is lottery protected and the other one is uh, unprotected. I think the 2021 is unprotected and the 2023 is um, is the lottery protected one. Like, I, I don't know that, I don't know why we treat these like these are like some insanely valuable picks. Like, yeah, they have value for sure because they're first rounders, but they're not like, like teams aren't going to go nuts for these, for these picks. But that's like a, I don't know, that, that's one thing that I, I've been thinking privately Whenever I, I, I peruse the Twitter uh, for the Knicks wall and people just just relax, like they, they're fine picks. First round picks always have value, but they're not what we think they are. I mean, the, those unprotected first that are down the road do tend to have these are the unknown about them. I mean, we saw it with the Heat right. pick, the 2021 for that sure. had a ton of value. That Lakers pick got traded around the league for a bunch of stuff. So there is a precedent of teams really valuing that stuff. Now, I don't... The heat, which, the heat which is why you move it now. 
Yes. Oh, no, I agree. That's the biggest value in those picks to me is to trade them. It's not to keep them and pick someone. Yeah, but no, no, no. I mean, like, even if you waited, like, a year to trade them, like, no, like, you trade them now while people are still saying what you're saying, like, oh, but KP might not stay healthy. Oh, but, like, you, you still want people to think that there's value there. Like, I don't think KP's got, maybe he's still going to have injury issues. He has some here that weren't the ACL, but... I don't think he's going to have another are, major injury. You know, I can predict that, that, but what's that? Yeah, that, that? No, that's like a hundred percent. Like he's not going to like the wonder over whether or not, you know, Chris Ops is going to be productive with the Mavericks is like that question's never going to be more fluid than right now. And that's when you can probably get the highest value, but you also get like the least amount of suitors. I feel like if they start off kind of mediocre, then there may be if that partnership doesn't go as you know as smoothly as planned from the beginning, you know, you may have some people lining up to try to get it while it looks, you know, one way or another. You know, it's I, I think that we have to kind of wait and see who's going to be available too. Is the other thing like right now you have two really valuable guys like Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal out on the market. Um, who knows if a player like that is going to be available next year. And the other thing is like, I just took a look at the 2020 free agent class and it is not good at all. You have like, I mean like Lowry, uh, Millsap and, you know, Horford guys like that. Like it's, you're not looking at your top, you know, options when it, when it comes to that class. So everything that we're talking about here is, you gotta. You kind of just have to strike this summer. Like the plans can't really change. You have to set yourself up for the next few years now. I mean, technically, Anthony Davis is, and especially Rich Paul's article today sure, said, yeah. th- like they are for sure going to go to free agency next summer. So Anthony Davis obviously is still in play for free agency, um, but that's still a lot to write on one player. Oh, for and, sure. I mean, you know, Dr- Draymond too, but I think that they're going to find a way to keep. Draymond or in some capacity there's less safe bets and I just think with the AD thing too like I don't I'd be hard pressed to I still think the threat of him re-signing wherever he ends up to is is a big threat to have looming over you over the course of the whole year yeah but no but just going back to what um to what Brian said I I think you got to try to cash out sooner rather than later I think you just try to whoever you have that's kind of a lock like like a Mitch or an RJ, like you, you try to keep one or both of those guys, I think. And then if you can package Knox or like those other spare guys, like Dennis Smith, Knox or uh, Frank or literally anybody else and, and a bunch of those picks, like if you're trying to start winning soon, you keep the player or two that you think are very good. And then you try to get anything like I would, I would just go pick heavy to compensate for, what you may or may not be getting from Knox moving forward. A lot of teams don't seem to be high on him in any capacity. So maybe you go, here's Knox. Maybe it works out with him. Here's Dennis Smith. Maybe it works out with him. And we'll give you a couple additional picks. We want a very good player, and we want to start winning. So I think if you can find a way to keep Mitch and especially keep RJ, which I don't know if you'd be able to do both those if you're trading for a star, I think that's what you should try to do. I don't know who you can get, but I think... you got to cash out. Like, I know, I know people, I know fans like that we're rebuilding slowly for once. And I mostly agree with them, but I don't want us to get caught up in the whole, Oh, well, we need assets, assets, assets thing, because this is kind of a problem that the Celtics had mathematically. You can't just keep all your assets forever because then it's, it's a math problem where you just can't draft or keep the guys you're drafting anymore. Like you have to start selling off some assets at some point. You know, you can't just keep everybody that you drafted and keep drafting guys. And it doesn't work that way. Like, you got to make decisions on some guys. You got to move some guys at some point. So, yeah, like, to answer Brian's question, like, I would start selling some guys off and cash it in if you could. Like, keep a Mitch, keep an RJ if you can. But, like, you got to sell off some of the guys. That That's the business of this. You got to make moves. If you have all those assets, you got to make moves at some point. That's the point of hoarding them. It's not supposed to be a four or five year thing. Like the Celtics made it. And then all of a sudden, like they might lose out on Anthony Davis. They might lose Kyrie. 
and then they have an aging uh, Horford with an option, and then they have um, just a, a bunch of kids and then a bunch of picks, and it's just a weird middle area that they're going to be stuck in. Like, you got to start converting these into something else. Boston just lost the Stanley Cup. It's just a beautiful feeling. I love that song. All right. Before we go any further, I need to tell you all about ShipStation. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website. ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, listeners to the Next Wall podcast and any of the Blue Wire podcasts can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll, sh- you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE shipstation.com makes ship happen and then i since i'm pretty sure this is gonna be a shorter episode tonight uh i have to tell you guys about harry's razors as well we have an announcement to make blue wire is teaming up with harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably go to harry's.com slash blue wire to save ten dollars on a value trial set which includes the five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade the rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover you get all that for just three dollars shipped right to your door enough with the cheap razors go try harry's now harry says fix shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. so harry's bought a world-class blade factory in germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years Join the 10 millions who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. So... As you guys know, a lot of you inquired about what we were going to do for the draft lottery. Uh, We decided not to do anything for the draft lottery, so apologies for that. But we decided that we want to do something kind of fun, kind of different for the actual NBA draft this year. So uh, a lot of people do draft parties, which this technically is, but it's usually at one location. So what we decided to do is a bar crawl. So we're going to be in... uh, the East Village, and basically we're going to be in a home base to start, and we're going to watch the draft there, and or at least the Knicks selection, and, and a little bit after that. And uh, we're going to move to two different locations after that. So, again, this is happening on Thursday, to June 20th. Uh, it's going to start at 7 p.m. The first stop for the uh, TKW draft party bar crawl is the Hair of the Dog. And, uh, our again, we're going to be there for the first Knicks pick and a, a little bit after that. And then we're going to make a move over to the Harry Lemon. A lot, a lot of hair names. Uh, just realized mm. that's, <laughs> it, it wasn't intentional, but that that's what happened. And uh, then we're going to finish up at Ace Bar. So if you go on our website, we have an article about it with all the details. So just go to the com and you'll find the article there. Uh, if you follow us on any social media platform, which you should be doing if you're listening to the show. You should have seen the flyer that we've tweeted or, or posted on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So uh, come hang out with us. There's going to be a lot of us. Uh, the entire Nick's Wall staff is going to be there. As you know, it's a pretty big group of us, but a lot of other friends coming by, well, internet friends and some others. So um, should be a, a good party. Uh, ho- we have some other things we're trying to lock in for you guys. Can't say anything. Uh, yet, but we're hoping that some things work out for us here. So 
we shall see. But in any case, just come by. There's no there's no tickets. There's no minimums. There's no anything. Just come by at your leisure. We're going to be in three different locations, three different times. So just whatever works for you guys, whether it's five minutes or five hours, however long you want to hang out with us that night, just come through. Uh, like I said, we're going to want to stay for five hours. Though. Probably going to want to stay for five hours. But again, normally we do some kind of a normal draft event. We all just hang out at one spot, but we figured let's make it a little event, walk a little bit, stretch our legs, you know, make it a little bit different than what everybody else normally does. So um, a lot of you guys we tweet with daily, uh, a lot, you know, me especially, whether I'm on the Knicks wall site or uh, Knicks wall counter my own. So what would be good to meet a lot of you guys just, Come by when you can. Should be a good time. And Kyle will have weed for all of you if you show up. That's why we're actually walking building the building. <laughs> so Kyle can get you high between all of them. Oh, uh, yeah, if only. <laughs> can neither confirm, confirm no, nor deny uh, any time Kyle has ever been around the green stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jordan Clarks has really called himself the 6'5 Kyle Kuzma, didn't he? That is certainly a tweet. Wait, hold on, time out. What was what was this? He, he tweeted that he's the six five Kyle Kuzma. Jordan Clarkson? Yeah. Yes. That goes, Jordan Clarkson. I'm damn, I'm the six five Kyle Kuzma for show. Haha, ha, start packing your bags, bro. LMAO. Did he do that at like thinking it was a good thing? I think he did that saying like Kuzma is gonna be out the door for something bigger in LA. Like, like he's, called, he's saying that he's a sacrificial lamb like Kuzma's going to be. Jordan Clarkson oh. is saying that his sacrifice brought the Lakers. Uh, Jordan Clarkson's sacrifice didn't really bring the Lakers anything now that I think about it. No, this is where, see, it's it sucks from both directions. Jordan Clarkson thinking that he could be some like version of Kyle Kuzma when, and then Kuzma is somehow so much better than Jordan Clarkson that it's an, it, it's like everyone's getting insulted here. <laughs> That's kind of the worst of it. There's there's no winners <laughs> in this situation. I, I had no reaction to the tweet. I I, I just it, it made my mind go completely blank. I, I could not comprehend what I was reading. There's a lot of layers there. Yeah, it took me a few. Yeah, tweet. it took me quite a bit to get through. It, The 6'5 Kyle Kuzma is a really good nickname, though. I need to start keeping that one on deck. Because it sounds like it's something that would be good. Like, you're the 6'5 Kyle Kuzma, but it's something that's just not great at all. Man. I'm all about it. Do we have anything else to get to today, or are we just talking about Jordan Clarkson tweets? Uh, well, another thing, too. The, the Knicks put out a press release today that they, um, they have several summer streetball partnerships for uh, New York City basketball. So those uh, couple of different things, they're going to be at Dykeman. Uh, If you just go to our – I don't want to read this. It's a lot of details for the different dates and everything. But um, basically they're going to be at Dykeman. They're going to be at uh, West Forth, Watson, at the Watson-Gleason Playground, and uh, at Orchard Beach for the Hoops in the Sun. A tournament that goes every summer so they're going to be around a lot of it they have a lot of uh Knicks takeovers and the youth clinics that they like to do so if any of our followers have kids please look into that uh should be a lot of fun i i know the, uh, they're the Knicks are pretty good about doing that kind of stuff with the kids so uh, if you have a kid if you're interested try to take a look into that uh four different locations four different times that should be something that you know a lot of you guys can take part in uh should be pretty good there all right, game six tomorrow. A lot was on the line in game five. Lots happened in the line, or lots happened in the game. Well, where where do we go from here? It's the last game at Oracle Arena. We know, obviously, Kevin Durant won't be playing. Uh, we are thinking Kawhi Leonard's going to be, you know, hopefully have a little bit more in him. He can come back and bring another one of those runs like he had at the end of the game. Uh, we need to see a lot of out of you know Clay Thompson, Steph Curry if they want to keep it alive. But you know the war, the Raptors bench, the war, Raptors role players, they all need to bring it. Just all of these things need to happen for this to even become a base level of what we've expected through the rest of the series. But what what do you guys think is going to be the breakthrough moment that's going to kind of either win this for Toronto or keep Golden State alive another day? 
I see this being tough for the Warriors. We saw how much Katie wasn't even really doing much out there outside of just spotting up behind the line and taking catch and shoot threes and having that extra shooter just is so help. They need it so, so, so badly because they're just not guarding the other three players on the court. Cousins had that good little stretch in when he came in in the second quarter, but then the second half it was back to him being, he just, he can't sustain it. He doesn't have, his body can't do it for any sort of extended period of time. And I, I don't see where the shooting comes from outside of just Steph and Clay both having, like hitting six to 10 threes. Like you need, you legitimately, for the Warriors to win, I think you need like 13 to 23s out of just Steph and Clay alone. And that's so much for to ask out of two. Right. Oh no, he died. Yeah. Okay. It, it wasn't just me. <laughs> He's um, making a really good point too. Yeah. He was making a good point, but you know, there, down goes Brian, stricken down in his glory. So, so to okay, well he's gonna he's gonna rejoin, but but to I, to piggyback off what Brian was saying because I I agree. Um, basically, three things need to happen. They need a, a shit ton of three point shooting, which they had in the last game. They then need Demarcus Cousins to play well and not vomit on himself, which is going to be tough. Uh, as much as you know, I'm a big boogie fan. Um, like Brian said, his body just isn't holding up enough for what he wants to do or what the team needs him to do right now. So, and with Looney out, I don't know how they're going to balance that. So going to be tough. And the third thing is uh, Toronto's role players really can't go super nuts here. So that's basically what it comes down to. Like if you can limit Toronto's role players, like Kawhi was going nuts down the stretch in that game and they were just able to answer because Steph and Clay were Steph and Clay. They hit some threes. Like, if you could just let like Kawhi do what he's got to do and limit those three point shooting role players a bit, like that might be the route you have to go. Like, make make Kawhi come in and beat you with twos. Try to beat him with threes, and it's you don't have a big margin for error. And try to attack it that way. Toronto's a very very good team. I think they're probably going to win, but that's your best bet. Go down the best way you can, which is just. Get Draymond out in transition as much as possible. Shoot more threes than you've ever shot so that, you know, Boogie doesn't have to muck it up in the paint too much. And I think that's really what you got to do. Just try to limit the Toronto's threes and make Kawhi beat you with twos. I think that's really all you can hope for. That's, I mean, that's really the big problem. Like, the three-point shooting is going to come back for Toronto. Like, Siakam was missing everything the other day. I mean, he had, like, so many, like, I, I, never seen him have so many wide open shots in the corner for him to just continuously brick. Like none of these guys were really hitting their shots. Danny green didn't have any kind of a memorable game. Like, you know, the, the team as a whole, but they only hit like three, three pointers in the first half or something like that. Um, yeah, they, that, I don't see that continuing so much to the point where golden state was ahead. Like, you know, some kind, they were ahead by like, several three-pointers like like six three-pointers or something at a point in the game and they just still you know, didn't have they were still behind or something uh, you know by you know a decent amount of points so that's the thing i don't see is going is what's going to continue i think that's going to be the one big thing that's really gonna really it's gonna break this game and i i don't know if golden state really especially without durant you know to be able to help on that defensive end and what you know in the state that they're in now i just don't necessarily think that they're going to be able to hold off another barrage of three pointers from uh, Toronto. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I will say is clay last game looked like himself again, that, you know, the game before he was still trying to work his way back in uh, from that injury. So he looked like himself again. So I don't want to say, you know, sit here and say, we can't, you know, rely on that kind of a performance again because I think he could very easily look just like he did last game. So if, if Stephen Clay looked like Stephen Clay, like the Warriors are always going to have a chance. Like I don't want to make it seem like it's totally hopeless either. Like if Stephen Clay or Stephen Clay, like the Warriors might just be fine. And like we're due for like a bananas Steph game with Clay and Draymond intact. You know, the the last the, that 47 point game that he had in game what was it, three? 
like it was basically Steph and Draymond versus everybody. Like there was no Clay, there was no Durant. Uh, I think Looney was still out, if I'm not mistaken. Like it, it was a very tough game for Steph. He reminded me of like 2001 Iverson, just having to like do everything himself. And that's not enough. But I think we're we're still due for like a, a bananas Steph Curry performance with Clay and Draymond and most of those guys there. So they definitely have a chance. I don't want to make it sound like it's hopeless. Like they're the Warriors. They've done this year in and year out. They could very easily win this game in convincing fashion. But it's it's going to be tough. They again, I just think the main thing is they have to be shooting a lot of threes to begin with. Like that's going to be the the game plan. Like that's your biggest strength. Go out swinging as much as you can. Yeah, I mean, this is the time to do it. They're on their home court. They are on. You know, the, this is the last game they're going to play. They're like, if they ever had a stay alive, get back game. You know, I, I feel like they're going to be, mo- you know, this is going to be more motivated than they'll ever be, is what I'm saying. And I think that that's going to be a lot to throw at Toronto. But as long as they stay fairly unfazed by that, which they've shown, you know, a lot of resilience in doing so far, they've been very composed this whole series and they've been driving the ship for most of it. But, you know, throughout this playoffs, they've, they've stayed composed, they've stayed grounded. If they could just handle, you know, what the Golden State crowd or what they, you know, what the Golden State crowd is going to throw at them at the last minute in the last game at Oracle. Um, you know, I, I think that they'll, you know, they'll, they'll come away with it, obviously. And I think that they'll, they'll be scary moving forward. But I do, I don't know if, if, if Golden State gets out of this, if they manage to take this to a game seven, I mean, they, they're going to win it all again, right? Like, there's no way they take this to a Game 7 and then lose. They, they could lose. This, this Toronto team, I mean, they're very good, man. Like, I, I like to get my, my Lowry jokes off when I can, and I love Lowry, but the jokes are too good. And we've done it a lot with Toronto, but this is it, it's a different team. The role players are very, very good. They, they are very, very consistent. And Kawhi is just generally the same player on both sides of the floor, game in and game out. Um, Lowry's been pretty good as an all-around player for the most of the playoffs. I mean, it's just the issue with him is when he when he throws up a dud, it is a fucking dud. So does it's very possible Lowry shits the bed again like that in one of these next two games. It's very possible Steph goes supernova. It's very possible Clay goes supernova. Like. Again, Warriors are not hopeless. They're the Warriors. These yeah. are two of the best shooters that have ever played the game. Like, they absolutely have a chance to win the next game and the game after. But Toronto is very good in their own right. Like, I don't want people to do the whole uh, asterisk thing because Durant didn't play most of the series. Uh, like, we got to be over that. Like, like, the Warriors are still terrific with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Terrific with those three. You know, like it's it's a very good Raptors team. So to me, I'm just glad this has gone to six games. I feel cheated when we get five or less games, but I I don't know. I I really honestly could see this going any either direction. Well, Brian's mic is dead, so it's just you and me at this point. But final predictions then. Um, I think I think the Warriors win game six. I do think that we're going to get some kind of a big performance, a big shooting performance from at least one of Steph or Clay. It's the last game at Oracle. I'm, I'm going to buy into the whole narrative bullshit. I think somebody's going to go nuts. I think that's going to be enough because when they're rolling from outside, I think that's usually that that's more than enough for the Warriors. So I think one of those two is going to go nuts. And uh, I think the Raptors end up winning the series, though. Okay, so you're saying Raptors in seven. I'm going to go... I think that the Raptors win tomorrow, but I think that if it goes to game seven, Warriors win the series. Um, also, like also, doesn't it just fucking blow when the away team wins the championship? Like, yeah, it, it's kind of a downer. It, it like, just, I, I like to see I like to see the home team yeah, celebrate. Like, I like to, it just It just adds to the whole experience, like, People going just completely and utterly ape shit over that is just so much fun. I, I, w- I will say too, real quick before we get out now on the pod. Yeah. Um, I thought 
initially that this was going to be Warriors in five. That was a thing that I said on the podcast. Yeah, you're not alone. Um, That's a very common my, take. My my take was, however, that I thought Durant was going to come back after game two or three and play the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And he came back in game five for 12 minutes. So I, I don't want to make it seem like I was off because I feel like I still said, even without Durant, I thought the Warriors could win the series in six or seven. But um, either way, I, I knew Toronto was a very good team. I thought that they obviously had a chance. I just didn't think that they were this good. So uh, hats off to them. I was I, I was wrong, it seems. Like, Warriors could still win. Obviously, series is not over at all. But they, I, I knew they were, they were a very good contending team. They really impressed me with how convincing they were over the first four games. So hats off to them. Well, that's uh, about going to do it for us over here this week. Please make sure, if you haven't already, that you are subscribed to us on iTunes and on YouTube. I keep saying iTunes, even though they're dead, but it's Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, not just their exclusive. Uh, Listen to all the pods on the Blue Wire Podcast Network after you do that. Uh, Come to the bar crawl next week. Uh, Do you want to just give that first address, Kyle? Yeah, so for the bar crawl, we are going to be starting at the home base here is going to be Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog. Uh, be there 7 o'clock. I mean, we're going to be there a little earlier, but get there at 7, we'll 7.15 remind you next if week you can. Too. We'll, we'll remind you on the next episode. But... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm going to bother you guys uh, on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and obviously on the pod. We'll bug you a bunch of times with this. But um, yeah. So Hair of the Dog is the home base. That's 168 Orchard Street in uh Manhattan, you know the city lower east side so yeah so just just show up um like i said yep come visit come hang out um follow us at corbo anthony on twitter at kyle maggio at brian giverman at tkw podcast at the nicks wall find us on instagram too at nicks wall um Head to the site. We just had the mock draft go up. If you left, if you listened to the last draft season, you know, if you haven't, I would highly suggest you go listen to that right away. Don't even listen to the end of these plugs. Just head there right now. Um, but check that out as soon as you can. And if you want to follow along, the same voices you heard on that, Mike Cortez, Jess Reinhardt, Eli Cohen, Quinton Hayes, and Harley Geffner. I knew I was leaving someone out there. Uh, they all came together and they did their very own uh, mock draft uh, you know, in written form. That's up on the nickswall.com. You can follow that while you're listening to the pod. Um, yeah, and just keep up with all the other good stuff we're doing. Still send in your off-season simulator things. We love checking all those out. Um, should be some updates soon. We'll see what happens uh, in light of everything we know now. But um, yeah, thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for another episode of Draft Season coming up this weekend probably do one more after that just to kind of recap things but it's coming to a close right now so get on that while you can and we will be back next week to warm you up for the draft Thank you.